one of the things we've really tried to do is try and create a microenvironment for an extremely small number of cells that is relevant to what's happening in the bioreactor because ultimately that's what we care. Hey, smart biotech scientists. Today, you're in for a treat. I'm having a conversation with Tanner Neville. He has been bringing innovative products to fruition in life sciences for the past 20 years. He is currently the Senior Vice President of Applications at Bruker Seller Analysis, previously Berkeley Lights, and they develop the Beacon, which is an innovative optofluid platform for cell line development. So if you're in cell line development, you're going to love this episode where we're going to talk about how to supercharge your cell line development, how to leverage AI, and how to speed up the cell line development process to get better clone, higher producing clone, and the clones that produce the right product quality. So stay tuned for an inspiring conversation with Tanner Neville. Are you juggling the complexities of CMC development while trying to enjoy the beauty of biotech? Have you ever wondered if there's a way to simplify bioprocessing? Welcome to the Smart Biotech Scientist podcast, where we're diving headfirst into the very challenges you face. We're breaking it down, demystifying the jargon, and giving you the keys to unlock your full potential. I'm your host, David Broman, and I get it. With 15 plus years in the biotech industry, I face the same challenges you do. There's a way to simplify and streamline so you can remove complexity, you can skip trials and errors, deliver without delay your groundbreaking therapy to clinics at market, and still enjoy every single step. Do you want to learn how industry experts and I did it? Grab a cup of coffee and your favorite notebook and pen. Now is the time to take your bioprocessing game to the next level. Let's smarten up biotech. Welcome, Tanner. It's great to have you today. Yeah, good to see you again, David. Absolutely. Tanner, there's something that you believe about bioprocess development that most people disagree with. (laughs) I don't know that most people disagree with. I don't know if I have any strong feelings or opinions that most folks would disagree with. I think the controversial bits that I think a lot of folks would agree with is that clonality is stupid and Cho cells kind of suck. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> I don't think I'm alone in that, right? I think that's fairly common. I may disagree with like where folks think the kind of field is heading, but I imagine we can we can get into that further. So tell us a bit before we dive into the exciting science and the innovations, tell us a bit how you landed in biotech and how you ended up where you are today. When I was young, I was very interested in medicine, kind of specifically how the body functions and understanding that and how that relates to disease and how you treat that. But at the same time, I think as I was growing up getting to know myself, I quickly learned that I just really love doing stuff with my hands. So I was always trying to build and invent, create and break stuff and fix it, break it again. And so I think over time and kind of majors changed a few times as I went through school, but I landed in bioengineering. And I think I just got there naturally because it 
here I am today, I'm building tools and instruments for life science applications. So it kind of is the best of both worlds in my mind. I get to build, get to create, get to invent, but then I can see how those inventions have impact on medicine on people's lives. So I think that's kind of how I ended up there. And I often say like, I'm, I'm an engineer, but I just, I love to be surrounded by biologists and scientists. So that's my happy place. And in terms of kind of getting a little bit into the bioprocess area and the cell line development, that was kind of accidental. We were trying to build an automated system to do actually sort of hybridoma screening for drug discovery and met some friends at a big company. And they kind of casually asked like, oh, that's really cool. Have you ever put CHO cells into your system? Do you think that would work? And of course, I was like, yeah, that would probably work. We should try it. But I immediately went back after that conversation and I had to Google what the hell a CHO cell was and why it was important. So uh, that was about a decade ago. So once I kind of learned about this space, this area of bioprocess development, cell and development, I kind of fell in love because it's a really cool mix of sort of the science and the engineering and the processing. So it's in many ways, it is a very multidisciplinary field. And so that's kind of how I ended up here. Such an exciting field and so much innovation going on in that field. So for those who are listening today, you might be working with other cells in your cell cultures, but let's talk about the cell line development for a second. In your experience, Tanner, what are the key challenges that scientists often face when doing cell line development? Yeah, so I think something that stands out to me here, especially when you ask about scientists, I do think this is kind of a multidisciplinary field. And so it is a stretch, I think, in many cases for kind of pure science aficionado. Kind of engineers and scientists, their training is different. They think differently. They kind of speak different languages. They attack problems very differently. I think I'll tie it back to your question, but over the years, I've hired a lot of grad students and postdocs right out of school. And one thing that I can almost take for granted is that they know how to teach themselves. They know how to learn. That's kind of what I think generic thing you get out of in grad school. If you're successful is that you can actually teach yourself it. So in some ways, I don't care if you know the particular area I need you to know very well because I know you can learn it. The piece that's sometimes harder to find is the ability to work within multidisciplinary teams and communicate well again, these different languages between different disciplines. I'm using kind of engineering and science, engineering and biology as like kind of two examples, but I think it, it runs the combat too, whether you're working with a chemist and the biologist, right? That's something that's, I think, well, not unique, but I think it's definitely part of this field. And so anyway, my sort of unsolicited advice to someone interested in the space, especially someone young, would be to also focus on that, those communications and teamwork attributes working with other disciplines specifically. So yeah, if you're a scientist, make some friends with some engineers or some mathematicians, right? Or some bioinformaticians. It will only benefit your ability to be successful. Yeah, smart biotech scientist. This is good advice. It's not only about science. Science is important, but communication is very important too. If you want to go far in your career, it's important to be able to speak to different kinds of people and to unite different kinds of people. So Tanner, let's talk also a bit about the technical challenges Sam, when it comes to cell line development. What have you observed working with all kinds of different 
clients and different people from various parts of the industry? Well, one of the challenges that's specific to us, I think, is we've been really trying to kind of disrupt how some of the processes are done, antibody discovery, antibody engineering, and cell line development. And I think some of the challenges we've had is kind of related to some of the communication things. Status quo and how things are done, there's always resistance to change because that's innate to humans. And so trying to turn an existing thing that works, right, but can be improved upon and try and think about how to do things completely differently is sometimes really hard to do. Conversations always lead to let's iterate and make it a little bit faster, a little bit cheaper, a little bit better. And so trying to drive conversations, no, 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 let's just throw all that out and think about it totally differently. How do we make it 10 times faster, 10 times cheaper, 10 times better? Those conversations would be really hard because I think in general, again, humans are, are very creative, very imaginative, but also very resistant to change. So that's been a specific challenge I've come across working with clients. Yeah, absolutely. And especially in the bioprocessing world, it's still quite a conservative industry. So I totally agree with that. And that's my observation as well. Well, you guys have put a lot of effort into making cell line development seamless, making it faster, making it much better, using all kinds of fancy tools. What aspects do you consider critical to obtain high productivity clones? Because that's anyways the goal when we do cell line development, we want to have clones that produce well and produce the right product quality. So what are those key aspects we need to look for or out for? I think there's a lot, but if I try and think of the simplest way to think of it, it's focusing on the environment. We've seen several different times going from small scale, low numbers of cells, starting with one, and then as you're scaling up, the existing infrastructure, again, what folks are used to at each of those different stages, whether you're in a 96-well plate or 24-well plate or shake flask, or one liter or beyond, a lot of times the environment changes quite a bit. Even the media formulation. Notice people will use actually significantly different medias for production versus scale up and even versus screening. And one of the things we've really tried to do is try and create a microenvironment for an extremely small number of cells that is relevant to what's happening in the bioreactor because ultimately that's what we care about. That's the most important environment to try and understand because that's where you're actually producing your product. I know you're familiar with the beacon technology, right? And our optopolitic technology. But one of the key things is simply really, really small chambers for cells. So I know you've seen the, the stuff we've done, but I guess if we think about, we have this system that allows us to put a large number of single cells in these little chambers. We call them nanopins. The volume of each of those nanopins is about a nanoliter. It's hard to understand what that volume is, but compared to a 96-well plate, that's a couple hundred microliters. That's an ocean compared to one of these, these nanopins. And I think a nice way to think about it is one cell in one nanoliter. So that's essentially one cell in one nanoliter. That's the volume we work with. That's the same thing as a million cells in a milliliter. And so when we talk about environment What's happening in the bioreactor, you have because you want and you need an extremely high concentration of cells because you're trying to make the most product. 
So you are often working at cell densities well above what is capable in a well plate. You get much above a million cells per mil in a 96 well plate with static culture. Cells don't get very happy, especially suspensions. But in a bioreactor, you can get up to huge numbers. So in these tiny volumes, we can do the same thing. In fact, we can actually grow higher cell densities per volume in these nanopins than you can even in the most well-tuned bioreactors because there's continuous perfusion, uh, very tight temperature control, and with tight perfusion, you have lots of nutrients, lots of waste going away, nutrients coming in, as well as good control of pH. So environment, I think back to the question. Understanding environment, you should be screening in the exact same environment or as best you can at the early stages as you will in the bioreaction. I think I think that's a piece that do, we do pretty well. Yeah, and that's excellent advice. Look at that the environment because finally you want to keep the environment the same whether you're in a small-scale reactor or then in a very large industrial reactor. I hope you've enjoyed this first part of our conversation with Tanner Nivel. Stay tuned for the second part that will drop this Thursday where we're going to talk about more practical aspects of cell line development. So I'll see you on Thursday. Thank you for tuning in. All right, smart scientists. That's all for today on the Smart Biotech Scientist podcast. Thank you for tuning in and joining us on your journey to bioprocess mastery. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. By doing so, we can empower more scientists like you. For additional bioprocessing tips, visit us at smartbiotechscientist.com. Stay tuned for more inspiring biotech insights in our next episode. Until then, let's continue to smarten up biotech.